found my focus soon as you came into view. Highlight and expose the way I think of you. Now it's clear as day just what I need to do. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. It's Shoot Your Shot. My name's Jangir. You can call me Jay. I'm going to be your host. And today's episode is going to be a really, really special one because we have an absolutely amazing guest on today for you guys. But just before we get into that, just a little life update. So us guys are through wedding season now. It's coming up to Christmas. So everyone's kind of getting their mini shoots in. I hope you guys are too. Or people are just kind of taking some time off, just spend some time with family, relaxing, chilling out. Whatever you guys are doing is amazing. As for me, I am pretty much second shooting for other photographers for the time being it's absolutely freezing so we're all kind of wrapped up when you go out to shoot mostly wedding season is over now but i'm going through inquiries now for next year so if people are inquiring definitely definitely uh, please book in as soon as possible if you are listening in otherwise i hope you guys the photographers out there i hope you're getting your bookings in for next year i hope it's looking really busy for you and if it's not don't worry there are so many people that end up booking last minute so it's nothing to worry about whatsoever anyway back to this episode so the amazing guest today is going to be speaking telling us all about posing different techniques going through what he does how he got to the point that he's at uh, with regards to posing and posing clients what techniques he uses and he's going to give us some insight into the way that he works we're here with our special guest he's going to be talking to us about posing and i'll let you introduce yourself um well thank you for having me today um gavi johal speaking born and bred in birmingham um i specialize in wedding photography and portraits um i've been shooting for maybe 12 years now um i think i'm coming up to my 13th as a full-time professional photographer um i've been fortunate enough to fly around the world, travel, speak at different conventions, conferences, judge some beautiful competitions, um, won some Multiple awards, awards. Some awards <laughs> over the years. Um, fellowship photographer with SWPP, um, societies, uh, the Society of Portrait, Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers, um, the BIPPP, which is BIPPP, BIPP, which is um, the British Inch, Institution of Portrait photog- Professional Photographers, I believe. Um, so I'm a fellowship with both of them, and then I have a double master's with WPPI. Um, was ranked top, top, uh, ranked third best wedding photographer in the world by One Island a few years back, um, and then now a Nikon creator as well. That's insane. And the list goes on? <laughs> Still <laughs> building to it? Um. I'm kind of taking a step back. It's just I'm kind of more concentrating on work and clients and yeah. and balancing work and, and social life and family life as well. That's really good. Okay. Um. So like I said, 
this particular episode was about posing um and i've had the pleasure of kind of working with you uh, in some capacity and i've been able to watch how you kind of uh, deal with clients and that, uh, some of how you kind of pose clients and i wanted to kind of share that experience with whoever it is that's listening into the podcast um so one of the first things i wanted to ask was especially when i first started out i found posing really really difficult that was probably my top thing that i found so difficult to do um what is it about posing that you you feel as though photographers find it difficult why do they find it so difficult i think it's just the interactions that everyone's having with the clients and trying to figure out what suits different clients um so it's kind of like just the approach to the whole subject where by it can come it can feel very nervous and if you know you're in a mind frame i'm like i've done this pose what should we do next and it's trying to fire off every single pose that you can think of or, yeah. or imitate or copy should i say yeah other photographers but it's i think that's where the difficulty comes from because you're not understanding relationships for example yeah uh, and you're not understanding bodies and um what suits one client yeah may not necessarily be suitable for another client okay it's amazing. Have you ever found, so when you first started, I know it was over a decade ago, uh, did you find it difficult? Uh, to some element, um, when I started wedding photography, I fell into it by accident. I, and, you know, if I was to be truthful, I, I never thought in a million years I would want to be a wedding photographer. Really? So I was dabbling in um, photography for a little while. I, my background comes from art and history. Yeah. And, you know, I've been painting and drawing since a young child. You know, everybody's an artist. It's just that we give up at some point and try yeah. and follow other dreams. Um, but I stuck with it. And photography was a natural progression. Yeah. So I was photographing, like, you know, my nieces, nephews, family, product mm. work. And as well, you know, working with a marketing company that doing a lot of commercial work. Yeah. So a lot of product photography. And then my sister's best friend said, hey, can you shoot my wedding? And it was just like, hey, listen, I don't want to be a wedding photographer. Um, at that point, attending wedding, I seen those wedding photographers, the traditional wedding photographers. Yeah. And, you know, we have to pay respect due to, to that generation and that era of photographers because without them, we wouldn't be here. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I just never wanted to be that type of photographer. And mm. so I said, look, book your professional photographer and I'll be your fly in the wall and I'll be a photojournalist. And, and that's what I did. And then from that wedding, a cliche as it sounds, I caught the bug. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward 12 years and here I am. But at the beginning of my career, when it came to posing, mm. there was an element of struggle because I just didn't understand posing. So I was like everybody else at the beginning. You kind of copy, imitate or yeah. look for inspiration of other wedding photographers mm -hmm. as opposed to bringing your experiences and what you wish to create to the table. Yeah, but it's from those learning experiences, or by copying or imitating other photographers, that you improve on your skill and your knowledge. So I did struggle with the posing element at the very start of my career because I just wanted to be a photojournalist. Yeah, I had no interest in doing portraits of clients. Of course. Um, so I sought mentorship or experience or knowledge from others. Yeah. Uh, you know, life's too short to try and learn every single mistake yourself. Yeah. You know, you learn from others. And there's a very talented photographer, wedding portrait extraordinaire, Jerry Gionis. Um, and he 
at that time, I, I believe he was still living in Australia. I don't know. He might have been in LA um, at that point. I, I can't remember. But um, so he was coming to the UK and I was fortunate enough to see him at the very start of my career. So I could avoid making mistakes and picking up bad habits. Yeah. And he is what I call the master of posing and lighting. And just being at his workshop for five days was an eye opener. And it was nothing to do with post-production and editing. It was getting your camera settings right, your basic knowledge, understanding different bodies and compositions, and understanding to look and read light. Yeah. And that helped me in terms of understanding the posing elements of of brides or grooms or individual or couple, you know, both of them together, together. Yeah. And then I took from that knowledge and then put it forward to how I want to create portraits okay. and how I would like to pose brides, grooms, families, and bride and grooms together. That's amazing. Fast forwarding to the current times, I'm seeing a lot of photographers that use movement posing as opposed to still posing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on movement posing? What do you mean by movement posing? So you... sort of like... You know, they'll get the bride and groom to sort of walk towards them while while taking shots. They'll give direction, yeah. but they'll get them to kind of... Ah, okay. So, you know, the bride moving around, twirling, and the dress flaring, and yeah. walking, giggling, laughing. I mean, I think there's an element. I think there's a, there's, there's space for both mm-hmm. um, elements of being posed and, and a little bit of direction. Um, I think there's... A, I mean, I, I have an element of movement posing within my wedding photography. Um, when it comes to couples portraits, but it's not hundred percent. Yeah, it may be like twenty, thirty percent. Okay, and then the remaining, you know, eighty, seventy to eighty percent is me having more of an input, saying, "Hey, I need you, you know, chin this way and drop your chin, drop your shoulder, bring your hands a little bit more, soften your fingers," mm-hmm. and then that element comes through. Um, so once I have the pose, I bring the emotion and um, I bring a little bit more of a reaction, whether it be a smiling moment, a giggling moment, or a little bit more of a romantic. Mm. pose um but i think there's a space for both elements movement and still posing okay within wedding portraits do you think going forward though that ratio is going to change kind of like so for example cameras for example we still have room for dslrs as well as mirrorless yeah um but the movement is going towards mirrorless, mirrorless. so with the same thing with posing um, I don't think so. I mean, everything has its fad and it has its phase. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years and I've seen fads and phases come and go. Some stay a little bit longer than the others. And, you know, selective colouring, which was the whole image was black and white. And, yeah. you know, the bride's lips were in red and or the groom's <laughs> turban was in red. You know, Have you ever done this? No, luckily. <laughs> I think so. I, I hope not. <laughs> um, but... Um, it had its place, it came in and it quickly was phased out. Um, I kind of go on the basis that when I'm creating wedding portraits or wedding photography in general, is I want to create images which are timeless yeah. that will get passed on from generation to generation. So the wedding album gets passed on to the grandchildren and the grandchildren pass it on to their children yeah. and so forth. So I have an element of images or storytelling which I don't want these images to date yeah, or have a timeline to these images, as in uh, an expiry date. Um, so I the only thing I want on these images to be out of fashion or to date by any chance is is going to be your clothes. Yeah, it's going to be your cars, mm. and that's it. But everything else is still should be relevant in fifty, sixty years down the line. I agree. So in terms of when you are posing clients yeah. and you're interacting with them, I'm sure across the twelve years you must have come off across 
a fair few amount of uh, brides, grooms that are a little self-conscious or they're not uh, <laughs> happy being on camera. Yeah. How do you kind of deal with that? There's two ways. I mean, I, I converse with everybody. I think the best, the be, you know, the key thing here to take away is communication. Yeah. Is to talk to your clients and speak to them on a regular basis. And generally, bride and grooms kind of open up. As long as you're um, open, uh, um, you have that open um, stream of communication with your clients, they'll open up and they'll tell you. The bride will say, hey, listen, I don't like this feature. Hey, I don't like this. And I don't like my arms here like that. And then you can either give them advice or you yeah. can be like, okay, listen, I'm making a mental note of this. I will help you out of the day. Um, grooms, I'm getting more and more grooms being a little bit more self-conscious than they ever used to be. Mm. But um, grooms are being a little bit more self-conscious saying, hey, I don't like this scar or I don't like certain features. But I'm always in a position to tell clients, like, I think you look beautiful as you are. Yeah. I think imperfections is what makes us unique. Yeah. And we shouldn't be striving to look perfect or be perfect. But mm. I understand posing and I understand the the insecurities of different clients and you know i was trying to make them feel the best on the wedding yeah. day and not only that makes sure making sure that they photograph the best on mm -hmm. the wedding day so earlier on you touched on a little bit about some of the techniques that you use so for example you know softening of the fingers and things yeah. like that are there any other techniques that you can use that you can kind of give give out to us i can give you a list <laughs> of techniques please do um, i always um Different techniques, I can, they can vary. I mean, um, just off the top of my head, like, you know, I run through these techniques and workshops. And bear in mind at these workshops, I have models, but I try not to get 100% a professional model because the models know how to pose. Yeah. Models will know, hey, this side of my face is a lot more flattering than the other side of the face. And yeah. I need to have my expression this face. So they know how to do these expressions. Mm. I'd say, it's safe to say that, you know, 97, 98% of my clients aren't models. Yeah. They've never been in, they're not Instagram influencers where they know how to pose. So that's where my input and my direction comes in. But the tips could be anything. It could be a case of keeping the nose within the bridge of the chair, uh, the bridge, uh, the nose within the bridge of the cheek. Yeah. It could be keeping the gap between the nose and the top lip to, to give it that illusion that it's not protruding. But as soon as you bring your nose outside of the bridge of the cheek, mm. unless it's a full on side profile like this, is it, it gives you the illusion that the nose is larger than it should be or the yeah. chin or the forehead another tip is you know just be wary about the body part that's closest to the camera yeah because the body part that's closest to the camera is going to be the, the element which is going to look the largest mm. so if you have a bride who's insecure about her shoulders or her hips mm. like you don't have make you, you make sure the hips aren't closest to the camera yeah the hips are pushed away and the shoulders are just turned away from the camera to give it the illusion that you're slimmer than you actually are but um I kind of go on the basis that my bride and grooms, I, I want to photograph them in the purest form. Yeah. Um, and there's an element of humility and, and, and a degree of realism where, you know, clients will, hey, retouch this and retouch that. And it's just, I can retouch it as much as you want, but I kind of want to give yeah. an element of realism to the images as well. You know, I'm finding this helpful rather than anyone <laughs> else. <laughs> it works for me as well. Um, I, probably doesn't happen so much, especially now, yeah. but towards the beginning, did you used to have blackout moments or do you have any blackout moments even now? I mean, you get them, like, I, I, I can't remember the last time I had a blackout moment, um, but at the beginning, yeah, you, you know, you're learning and, you, and you're educating yourself and you're learning from your mistakes on the job and it'll be like, hey, if you go into a wedding or a portrait session with the mind fret, hey, what, 
I've done pose A and I need to do pose B and pose C. If you, if you have that element of thought process, I think that's where you will have the blackout moments. Yeah. I seek inspiration from everything that's around me. I, I don't go into a scenario and say, hey, I'm going to do, with this bride, I'm going to do pose A in location 12 um, with lighting set up 6. Okay. If you have that element of thought process with you all the time, <clears throat> before you've even showed up to location, yeah. It's you're putting yourself in a difficult situation, so you have to suss what's going to be best for your client, mm-hmm. what's going to make them shine brighter than they actually are, you know, photograph them to in, in their best element and form, mm-hmm. um, and bring that to the table. Um, blackout moments, um, if you ever have a blackout moment and you don't never want your client to see that you're having a blackout moment, <laughs> that you're struggling because it, it gives them that degree of hey, I don't have confidence in my photographer anymore yeah then what i would do is maybe a tip just turn around go towards your camera bag say i need to change my lens give me a second <laughs> start changing your lens and nice. and, and slow things down and yeah. think okay. or let the videographer jump in and let them do their thing while you're yeah. thinking what else can we go next mm. what can i do that's going to be more suitable for this client one of the most amazing things that um i've heard you say was while you were speaking at nikon um, at the photography show, you mentioned that when you were seeking inspiration, you were getting the bride to kind of just turn slowly. Um, uh, yeah. Can you just go into that a little bit? Okay, because so I thought that was amazing. Okay, um, I don't have a little. Okay, so and I don't really want to stand up right now. <laughs> um, so there's scenarios where I I do an element of degree where, um, you know, for example, a bride getting ready in the morning, and you want to photograph all these details. Yeah. I've done, very early on in my career, I used to do detail shots where the earrings and the jewellery and the shoes and the handbag, all of these items were laid out. But ultimately, when a bride would never put those images in a wedding album, mm. in my experience, what I found for my clients. So when I shoot details, I shoot details with portraits. So if, if I want to shoot an earring of the bride's earrings, I'll have mm. her wearing her earrings and I'll have her adjusting her earrings. So I've got a portrait of the bride. Yeah. Along with a detail shop, necklace, jewelry, mendi, henna, yeah. angles, churro, whatever you want. Mm. Um, so once I've done portraits of getting ready and I want to do more portraits, sometimes it's a case of just removing yourself from the scene and just walking around that whole scenario to yeah. see what's more flattering. Um, and an element of that actually came from you know attending museums and art galleries where you know I'd been. In Italy, and I'd be, you know, or I'd be in Rome and looking at um, statues and sculptures where the sculpture or the statue, whatever I'm looking at, would look stunning in this light. Yeah. But the moment I start walking around the statue, the light's still constant. The light's still mm. static and it hasn't changed. It's still in the same position. Yeah. But that statue where the light's like here and the statue's here and I'm standing here, it'll look completely different from this viewpoint yeah. to this viewpoint. To that viewpoint, and that, and as mm. you start walking around these statues with the light constant, mm. the elements start changing, yeah. and the image and the statue looks completely different. So I brought that to an element of uh, wedding photography, whereby if I ever struggled, I'd say to the bride, I said, "What I want you to do is just standing on the same spot, keeping your face towards my light as much as possible. Yeah, just turn, rotate three sixty very slowly, taking your feet with you. Mm. So you're turning, but you keep it. As you're turning, you're keeping your face at the light." So here's my light. You turn, but you your face, your body turns. I can't do it while I'm saying yeah. that. But your face stays at the light, but your body turns until you can't keep your face at the light. Mm-hmm. Then you spin back, and then your head turns around the other way, and it keeps 
facing the light and your body turns. Yeah. By doing so, you are walking around the statue again. Yeah. And you're seeing how it looks different and the dress looks different, the shoulder looks different. Mm. And as they're turning, you can see inspiration and you're like, boom, I love that. Stop. And you can readjust the pose. I like how the light's hitting you. Just yeah. do me a favor. Just bring your hand down and your elbows back and your chin up. Mm. Click, click, click. Turn again. Oh, perfect. I love that. Turn your face back. And then you can refine the pose as they're turning around. Yeah. So I've, I've done that on numerous occasions. I find I'm limited on time. Yeah. Hey, brides are, hey, we're running late. Or the grooms are, oh, mm. we're pressed on time. C- can you get these done in five minutes? I'm like, yeah. it's not an issue. We'll get them done in five minutes. Mm. But listen. Turn, turn, stop, boom, turn, turn, stop, change, 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 turn, turn, turn. By the time we've done a 360, yeah. a full circle, I can be done. It's amazing. Yeah. There was one particular image that you uploaded some time ago, and I think it was about a year ago. I found it to be iconic. The bride was covering her face like this. Were you using that technique on that bride? You had so many triangles on her body. Was she standing here like this with yeah, and she was covering bangles? Her face. And she... Okay, so no. Maybe I don't know in that no in that scenario I wasn't doing the three sixty okay. technique in that scenario I was having a static but I was doing detail shots okay so that was that that image in particular I know which image you're on about yeah. it formed one of the detail shots after she was adjusting earrings and a jewelry oh, right. and a bangles so because she had these bangles down and she mm. poses really well that was just like right I want to do some element with the posing of the bangles so I just asked her just bring your hands up. And just play around with the bangles. As she brought her hands up, she kind of kind of leaned back here like this. And sometimes they do things that, or brides or grooms will do things that you're not asking them to do. Yeah. But the way it just forms, it's like, oh, I love that. Pause it. Stop it. Let me refine it. Bring your elbow down just a touch and bring up your chin. So the hands will kind of cover the eye. And yeah. it almost made a second eye just with the, the shape of her fingertips yeah. and, and her thumb. And then it was just a case of elegant posing. But it wasn't a 360 moment. Oh, fair enough. Know. Okay. Another thing I wanted to ask was, so in terms of comfortability mm-hmm. uh, with clients, you've mentioned, obviously, you gauge the clients and you speak to them, etc. I've found that even though I have a decent relationship with the clients, I can't gauge how exactly how comfortable they are. So, for example, kissing on camera, especially in South Asian culture, uh, it's quite a, quite taboo, a taboo subject. Okay. How do you go about that? Um, I think I'm fortunate enough where clients are comfortable. That's good. With me. So I think on the other occasion, you don't understand like everything has an underlying story and a concept. Mm. Um, if you're a wedding mm. photographer, what's the story? The story is love. Yeah. Regardless of what happens on the wedding day and the itinerary, the underlying message is love. And everybody has a different way of expressing yeah. love. I've been with clients who the groom's very rigid mm. and doesn't like having public displays of affection, PDAs, right. <laughs> um, you know, and asking them to kiss is, is difficult when they feel already comfortable. So it's, mm. you have to engage the client. Sometimes a pre-wed shoot helps yeah. to, you know, like a warm-up on the wedding day. Mm. It allows them to be comfortable being photographed. Yeah. allows them to have a better relationship with yourself, the better relationship you have with the client, the better images they're going to get. Yeah. Um, so... I kind of engage the client, ask them questions, try and have meetings, Zoom meetings, online meetings. You can meet them face-to-face so you can understand. You can see body language, how they're sitting, how she's holding him, if she's not holding him. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've photographed grooms where, you know, the groom holding the bride's hand was, that was just about something that he was doing. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean he loves his fiance any less than somebody else who's 
hugging, squeezing, kissing nonstop all day long. Yeah. Everybody has a different expression and how they show how they love somebody. So it's just engage that client, figure out what's the best for them. Yeah. If somebody who's struggling to hold hands with his wife in mm. public and you know if you i've never had that issue as much but if you're in that scenario you know you shouldn't you know you don't want to be asking them to yeah, be kissing course. on camera making them feel comfortable but i i don't think there should be an issue you just ask your client mm. straight hey guys are you comfortable kissing on camera fair enough you don't have to share these images on social media with your family but you have these images for yourself and you can do with them what you wish mm. but if you guys are comfortable i'd love to photograph it for you and worst case scenario, they'll say yes. Uh, best case scenario, they'll say yes. Worst case scenario, they say no. If they say no, move on and try something different. Fair enough. Um, I feel like you've semi kind of answered this question already, but I'm sure across the 12 years, you've had clients that are difficult clients to pose. And I, I feel like part of it is obviously, or central part of it is kind of gauging your client and having a relationship with your client. Yeah. Um, but if they're quite difficult in terms of posing or you feel as though they're quite rigid, how do you go about that? Um, there's different elements. I think there's different, there's, I think the best way for me to, there's different ways that you can engage with your clients, I'd yeah. say. Um, I've had, when I have, I think the most difficult position I've been in when the groom was like six foot two, six foot three, and, and the bride was just pushing five foot. Wow, that's a big and guy. It was just like, <laughs> It was like this, and I was just like, oh, okay, I've never been in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? And it was a case of, you know, figuring out what's the best for them. Yeah. And the sitting down poses kind of helped them a lot. Um, anything that was standing up, the height difference was a little bit too much. Yeah. So I limited that down as much as possible. Um, but if, you're, if you have a client that, is it difficult posing that you're saying? Yeah. Um, that fi- find it difficult to posing. To pose certain clients. Yeah. Um, I th- once again, yeah, I think it's a case of um, having a pre-wed shoot, yeah. understanding what works for them. Mm. Um, you know, a bride holding, having her husband hold her from like the side at the back, yeah. and then her reaching back and holding his jawline yeah. doesn't work for every client. Of course. Now, body shapes and, and face features and everything else. So for brides holding the, the groom's jawline and her hands here, that's okay. Yeah. But the groom's too tall and her arm goes up. Yeah. We're doing two elements that doesn't look right. Mm. Well, I mean, where would his head be? It would be nowhere near her, the top of her head. Yeah. So it's just like she's holding his jawline, but there's another gap between mm. his chin and the top of her head. Yeah. So that element needs to be reduced so it works with different heights of different people. Mm. And on top of that, you shouldn't interrupt it. Fair enough. Yeah. So there's elements of what works. Like, does the hand need to be about here? Mm. And then he can't be directly behind. He has to be around the side. Yeah. And she leads him in. Um. So in terms of difficult posing, if some clients I don't like that refined, I'm going to be static and then just change it and refine it and take your time getting that image right, is have some fun with them. Awesome. Um, play on jokes and crack jokes. I have a brilliant second shooter and associate photographers who are just cracking jokes all day long and <laughs> knock, knock and knock, knock jokes. It's just short jokes, nothing. Yeah. It takes two, three minutes to, yeah. to say a joke. It's just a short little joke, joke. So once you've got them in a certain position and a certain pose that you're comfortable with and you're trying to get an element of, hey, can you give me a little giggle, a little smile? Some grooms are like, hee hee, like that. But then yeah. some grooms are very expressionable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in a situation like that, have a short little joke. That, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you a joke and just, I just want to see your reaction. But don't move towards me. Just stay where you want. Yeah. And let's just hear your reaction and just give them a little short joke, knock-knock joke or whatever. 
I can't remember what my second shoot used to say. Uh, <laughs> what kind of keys? Um, oh, that's it. What key opens a banana? And the groom was like, I don't know. He goes, a monkey. It's a kiddie joke. <laughs> But it's a stupid joke. Right? It's not. It's not supposed to be funny. Half of the grooms that used to laugh at jokes like that weren't laughing at the joke. They were just laughing at the stupidity of the joke. Right. So you yeah. get these expressions. Um. Hey, I can't see your hand, sir. Do me a favor. Would your right hand just give your wife a little tickle? Yeah. Uh, pinch your bum if you need to. And <laughs> uh, you know the reactions that you get from that will be yeah. pure and they'll be real. So there's different things that you can do in scenarios like that. I can't lie. You, you know when you mentioned the six foot two guy and barely five foot. Right, <laughs> I, I drew blank. So yeah, what yeah. would I do? I don't know what I'd do with that. But it's so simple, like you said. Have them yeah, sitting sit down. down. Yeah. So once they're sitting down, their torsos, waist up, are going to be at a better height. Um, and you, you can have them sitting down. I've done portraits of that bride and groom where I had the groom pose and sit away, but I actually got the groom to part his feet. Yeah. Quite a big distance. So that would drop his height just a touch. Yeah. But then on that scenario, I wouldn't be shooting full length. Yeah. I'd be shooting waist up. Of course. To, to hide the fact that yeah. his feet are just, he's almost doing the splits. <laughs> Fair enough. Have you ever got involved yourself in terms of um, like posing? So have you ever kind of stepped in and showed, right, this is how I want you to kind of stand or move your hands, etc.? Um, yes and no. Um, I do it occasionally. Yeah. Um, if I know I have a lot more time. Um Asian weddings, as you know, and when you photograph them, um, there's always delays on the wedding day. Yeah. Uh, Asians <laughs> and Indian families, what I've known, um, don't want to um, kind of be very... It's a ritual. Ste- I don't want to be stereotypical to anybody here. <laughs> but, you know, we're notorious of being late. Yeah. We're notorious of showing up late. But with that said, we're, you know, when bride and grooms are running late, one of the first things they, need, they, they will always say is, hey, we're running late, so instead of giving you the hour and a half give that you wanted, yeah. uh, we're going to give you 10 minutes. And it's yeah. just like, oh, shoot, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what we're going to do with those 10 minutes. Um, so I wouldn't be going in and say, hey, listen, I want your shoulder like this. It'll be very quick, very direct, just mm-hmm. get these images yeah. so we can move on. Um, if I have time, I do come in and I do help with posing if I need the hands moved across. But it's easy, as easy as for me to do that and refine the image. Bring your hand here and grab it. Bring your shoulder here and, and tilt your head here like this. Yeah, You know, there is. it's nice to do, but then sometimes... I think you have to be careful you inclined because are you invading personal space? Of course. Yeah. Some people don't mind being touched. Mm. Some people are not huge fans of it and they feel yeah. uncomfortable. Mm. Um, so I try not to do that as much as possible. Okay. If I need you pausing, I kind of, from a distance, I say, hey, guys, just mirror me. Yeah. I say, if I do this, you're going to do this. Okay. If I do this, you're going to do this. I said, you're, there's a mirror in between us. Yeah. So just copy me exactly. Have your left leg forward and I show them where my foot is, yeah. at what angle. And I can actually pose clients from a distance without having me to come close and move them and move their head. Like, yeah. For me to do that, a pose could take 30 seconds to a minute and a half yeah. just to get it all right. Mm. And then you go back and anything can happen between that distance of you posing them and walking to your location where you yeah. want to shoot from. They've slightly changed. So I kind of shout out this pose mm. and direct it from a distance. Fair enough. Um, if they're not doing it right, then I will say, hey, guys, just mirror me. Just watch what I'm doing. And I'll just kind of pose in a certain way. Okay. Because I did see a story a little while back. Uh, you was shooting another photographer's wedding. And I, th- I think it was like a rooftop where you sat down. And it was it was a bit like this. You can't see it, obviously, on yeah. audio. But I think it was Raj, Raj something a while back. It's a beautiful image, though. It was amazing. On a rooftop. 
it looked like a rooftop but i don't know if it was or not so i was posing them so yeah so on your story what you done was you kind of asked the groom step back yeah and you got into the groom's position the uh, okay there. i know what you're on about yes okay i remember um that was a photographer called prash yes um prash and Ami, um based on the wedding was in morocco yeah. Um, she runs a company called Wedding Style. Prash is a talented photographer himself. Yes. Um, I can't remember if that was... Because he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. We're just messing around and prattling <laughs> around. Um, so I don't know whether I was explaining to him how I want Amy to be posted. I, I think I can't remember if I was being the bride or I was being the groom. But I think I was just telling Amy, look, this is how I need you to sit. Yeah. Then I need you kind of leaning back and I... It was just messing about. It was really cool. Though. Yeah, I think it was just one of the other photographers just already <laughs> up was just taking a few pictures behind the screen, just having fun on the day. The good thing is, because I, I remember watching specifically that story, yeah. and then I saw the image afterwards, and I swear it was an exact like imitation. <laughs> it was crazy how exact that imitation was. It probably was. Then on that case, it, it probably was me showing her the pose. Yeah, I think I, I think I remember it was me showing her the pose. And then, obviously, as soon as I did that, the videographers and the other photographers, you know, these everybody else was just like laughing and joking yeah. at me and Prash getting a little bit too comfortable. <laughs> so they took pictures of Beyond Scene. But because of that, you know, I just play up to the camera. So instead, instead of posing like this, I'd be like, yeah, yeah it's just messing about. Um, but then, yeah, there's an element of her copying what I was doing. Yeah. Well, another thing I wanted to ask was, so in terms of, like, inspiration and stuff, I feel like a lot of photographers, me included, I look to a lot of your work for inspiration. You said that you look all around, but what does that entail? Thank you for looking at my work and being inspired, <laughs> and it's a feel-good factor. Um, life in general, okay. I'd say anything inspires me. I can look at cracks on the floor and just be staring at that pattern and thinking, you know, well, how does that inspire me? What do I want to create from that? Life in general, I can, I still do it. I look at movie. I watch movies. Yeah. I look at color grading of movies, the scenes, the composition, where the you know different people and actors were positioned and placed. Why is the cinematography done like this? Is that you know what was the thought process with the director of photography? Yeah. Um. So movies, uh, music videos, mm. posters, billboards, fashion magazines, fashion billboards, Chanel posters and billboards. <laughs> I mean. It's, you know, Chanel have got some amazing adverts and so does Hugo Bus. Yeah. And, you know, the color grading, the lighting, everything inspires me. Um, I can go to museums and look at old paintings, or, you know, Caravaggio, Rembrandt, um, and look at those, you know, the posing and the lighting and everything else with those images. So that's my key source of inspiration. Yeah. I can go to a coffee shop and sit down and watch you know, a gentleman or a lady sitting down having their coffee on their phone and just the way that they're sitting, posed, light hitting their face. It's like, hmm, that's beautiful. I can make, make mental notes of it. Um, there is an element where as you are being inspired and watching different, looking at different sources of, for inspiration, yeah, art, gallery, paintings, museums, wherever you go, subconsciously that those information, those images or what you've, you've, you've seen and witnessed and your, your, your experiences with life is embedded into our... Um, mental state whereby it gets to a certain point where you know art has a life will then imitate art yeah what you saw here with a pose or a statue and a sculpture mm. you walk past this sculpture every day of your life on the way to work or on the way to a bus stop wherever you go but then when you go and shoot in a wedding you subconsciously are recreating that but you just don't know why yeah and it's only when you go past that poster you're like oh my god like that's why i was doing it yeah 
Um, an inspiration for me at the moment is I've been fortunate enough to speak at different conventions and, and conferences all around the world. And um, one of the main things that I love doing is judging these print competitions and yeah. judging photography competitions. And it puts me in a position I get to see these images. That's before amazing the general, source. Yeah. But for the general public and some of these images I'm seeing up and close. Yeah. And we're scoring these images and some of these images from all from photographers all around the world. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Wow. Like, <laughs> I want to tap into that photographer's brain. Yeah. Give them a hug, high five, whatever. Mm. It's like, what was your thought process? Or, you know, what was you thinking when you came out with that genius idea? I was um, um, on holiday with my wife and we were in our resort and they have those big live chess boards, those yes. big chess board kind of pieces with, yeah. you know, up to, it's usually about waist height chess mm. pieces that you kind of play chess or, um, and move the pieces around. And then as she was standing there, I was just kind of looking at her. I was like, hmm. And that was my inspiration. So when I came back, I found a client who was getting married and I told them my thought process of creating an image of a chessboard uh, with the pieces, but I want the, the king and the queen piece to be you two. Yeah. And I want you dressed in an appropriate attire to match this scene. Mm. Obviously, there I kind of had to describe it and draw. so I visualized how I wanted the image to be created. Yeah. But my inspiration was me being on a holiday with my wife playing chess, <laughs> you know, in the hotel resort. Yeah. So inspiration comes from in, in many forms and in, mm. in, in many areas. That's so amazing. don't be limited to just one thing. Yeah, that's amazing. So another iconic image that I remember from your work is the couple on the boat, and from what I recall. You said you got that from Life of Pi. Ah, yeah. I was having this conversation with a photographer <laughs> in Stockholm on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that image was, yeah, there's a scene in Life of Pi. I think there was a storm. I can't, it's been a while since I watched the film. Yeah. There was a storm and choppy water and mm. he managed to, you know, get back into the boat, pass out, go to sleep and... The next morning as he woke, you know, the storm had passed. But there's a beautiful sunrise. Yeah. Beautiful clouds, magentas, oranges, yellows, um, reds. And the drone image, the drone film scene, was from above directly with the boat underneath. But because it's from directly above and the water was pure still. Yeah. The water had reflected the sky. So it almost looked as if this boat was flying into the sky, but it's a flyer sky reflecting into the water and I remember seeing that scene and we were fortunate enough with a client in Italy to recreate that scene as soon as I saw the boat and I was just like once again my I I didn't think of going to Italy with a thought process in mind going hey when I go to Italy I want to recreate the scene from Life of Pi and that's my inspiration it was just we went to Italy we were in you know surrounded by mountains and and a beautiful lake and ducks and and these little rowing boats Mm. so we were taking pictures with you know different lenses and compositions and the videographer that was with me uh, Manny Pablo from Story in Motion yeah he had his drone and I was just like hey I, I have this idea I just it's just popped into my head from what I've seen. Yeah. So it wasn't me pulling out my phone going, hey, let me play around with the composition and copying mm. it exactly the same. Yeah. But the inspiration from that, I was like, okay, let's get the boat positioned. I'm not worried about it, as long as we're in open water on mm. this lake. And I posed the bride and groom shouting at them from a distance. Um, and we just took the drone up and just played around with very variable, various compositions to yeah. create something unique. And then, Obviously, um, in post-production, we were able to create something very similar. 
It was really stunning. Do you think then as a result of kind of looking at everything as inspiration, do you feel as though you're always switched on then? Or is that something that just naturally ends up happening? Um, I've never thought about it. Like sometimes I can struggle sleeping because um, my mind is racing. Yeah. And it's always in a thought process, um, which I've learned to deal with and kind of switch off at certain points. I'm not switched on, like I'm not on the go all day long. Yeah. But, you know, we're in a fortunate position to have phones with us all day long. So it's when I see something or I like something or a poster or, or a magazine or an article or anything that I see or even on the road. Yeah. Or if I'm driving and I see a beautiful sunset, I, I snap away. Oh, where awesome. I, You know, I have a huge inspiration uh, folder that I, I add these images to yeah. that of things that inspire me or, or wow, that I found beauty within. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I look back at this inspiration folder from time to time. Mm. So these images I am, or the, or the thought process I had in the day was embedded into my brain and my mm. subconscious. So that when I am in a scenario, I can relate to different things. Or, hey, I love the color grading on this image. And it's very um, cinematic and very Lord of the Rings-esque. And, yeah. and that's where kind of it, my work kind of goes towards. I mean, there was an, this, you know, a period where I was watching a lot of, you know, the darker films, like, you know, Christian uh, Nolan's um, Batman with color grading was very dark and moody yeah. and Lord of the Rings. And, you know, being in that state, then you, all of a sudden your portraits of the bride and groom become those dark and moody <laughs> portraits. Um, so, you know, like it does have that crossover. Yeah, yeah, it does have that effect. That's amazing. Okay. I think we're ready to wrap up, but thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. me, Gave. Just before I head off, I wanted to ask, what is it that you shoot with normally? Oh, I shoot with uh, Nikon. I've been shooting with the Nikon cameras for about 12 years. I have a jumper. Yep, there you oh, go. Nice. Jumper on the Nikon. <laughs> it's a nice little gift that they gave to us in Stockholm. Uh, I've been shooting with Nikon for the past 12 years. Um, mm-hmm. Fortunate enough recently in the past couple of years to be a Nikon creator um, and shooting with the mirrorless cameras. And it's just those mirrorless cameras has opened up my opportunities to create images yeah. that were a lot more difficult to create with the DSLRs. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been with Nikon for a while. I just prefer the files and I love the color, uh, color profiles of the images and the dynamic range within the uh, within the files as well. A fellow Nikon shooter then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you shoot with Nikon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I you shoot do. with Nikon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask was, what else do you have in the works just before we sort of sign off? Do you have anything exciting coming up or? Um, I have a few things in that I have to kind of keep hush hush um, for the next year or so. Okay. Um, but they're in the plans because I just don't want these ideas or these uh, these images to be leaked out in well, amongst other photographers for them to kind of replicate. Um, a lot of my work is going towards a little bit more conceptual, timeless classics. Uh, yeah. I created an image of a famous painting, Sony Mowalt, this, this year. Yes, I saw um, that. It's absolutely stunning. Thank you. Um, and that's been in the pipeline for about 10 years. Oh, wow. So it's just, it's, it's, it's always been there in my mind. It's yeah. just every couple of years I end up forgetting. Um, but then I found a couple who wanted a certain look for their, for their pre-wed shoot, mm. which tied in oh, with wow. that painting. And then when I sent them the painting, they knew the story, they knew the painting. Yeah. And I was just like, right, you are the perfect couple for this picture to, uh, for us to replicate. I have a few more of those images in the pipeline, a few more okay. conceptual shoots. Um, I'm looking forward to shooting more weddings next year um, and getting back on the creative field. Um, I have some workshops that I'm looking to plan. Oh, great. Um, something pretty cool uh, and unique. So, I've, you know, 
I've joined forces with different companies, graphic studio, yeah. uh, funded designer, you know, th- these are companies that I work uh, very closely alongside, mm. um, some lighting companies as well. Um, I've, obviously, we've mentioned Nikon. Um, so I have a few workshops that I'm looking to plan in the new year. Yeah. Um, we're finalizing dates at the moment. So if okay. there's any photographers that are interested, you know, like, share, follow. Subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> Now, um, just watch this space. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And hope to have you on again soon. Take care. Found my focus soon as you came into view. Highlight and expose the way I think of you. Now it's clear as dangerous what I need to do. Stop, just give it all that you got